Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. One of the funniest things about that is how gradually that table came up. And until it didn't become noticeable until it became uncomfortable. That's the punchline right there. Is that quite often these little changes can happen in our lives, right? And we don't notice them, we don't notice them, we don't notice them. And then all of a sudden it's like, what is going on here? And that little boy is really funny because he's like, the table is going up. You know, the table is going up. And I think it's really interesting how we can have changes in our lives that we don't notice until it becomes uncomfortable. And we'll address that in just a moment. But I do want to take just a few moments to recognize that um, we lost a saint this week um, to earth, and she's in heaven today, and that is Pastor Pauline. And uh, we just celebrate her homegoing, and we're sad. It's our loss. It's her gain. And uh, we uh, want to recognize that she had a great impact here at South Coast Fellowship, now Journey Church Ventura, but she made a difference. And she, you know, just a week ago, she was teaching. I think it was a week or a little bit more than that, she was teaching and giving everything she had to um, blessing people, especially women that she loved and ministered to. So uh, we honor her today. We give uh, thanks to the Lord for um, the life that she lived here while she was here on earth. And now um, she's probably filling some people in on what's going on up there. And so um, we're excited for her home going and celebrating her life on, uh, I believe it's December the 11th, will be her uh, memorial at New Life Church in Oxnard. And so I want to encourage everybody, if you can be there, to be there. That'll be great. I, I don't have any more details than that, so I'm sure they'll be online on uh, social media. So um, I want to also celebrate the fact that we just came out of 40 days of prayer and fasting. Um, God bless you for the energy, the strength, the, the stick to if you will, the bulldog tenacity that you gave to helping that happen. And, and hopefully it's become a part of your uh, prayer experience. And, and hopefully it's become part of just expressing yourself to God every single day, making sure that we're giving ourselves to God every single day, and um, 40 days of prayer and fasting. During that 40 days of prayer and fasting, we saw several people come to Christ here. We saw healing. Um, I'll give credit to um, Kirk uh, Cartwright being here this morning. He is fighting cancer, and Kirk, it's so great to have you here. And God bless you. You're right there. And uh, he's (laughs) fighting cancer. Um, and God bless you. Just a, a month ago, it was, it, you know, we were praying that God would just uh, keep him around, and he's around, and he's getting better, and we praise God for that. We praise God for Cheryl Barnd, who I uh, just got a report this morning. She is in intense treatments for cancer in her body, and she's doing better today, and so we're praying, praising God for that. <clears throat> And so many other little things that God has done. And, and uh, not only can um, things change to the negative, but they can change to the positive, And we, we tend to kind of take them for granted. And uh, those little changes in our lives that are, are good things are great things. And uh, our, our, small, uh, our journey groups are winding down right now and, and finishing for the year. And very excited about what God's been doing in those groups. 
And uh, we'll give you a report hopefully next week or the week after on how those groups have gone and encouraging you to join a group, if not lead a group. And so we're going to have another uh, journey group leader training coming up. And so we encourage you, if you're interested in leading a group, please sign up for that. Please um, uh, make sure that you're uh, getting ready and prepared to lead a group. And we're very, very excited about the next season of groups that we'll have starting in January. And so very, very excited about that. All kinds of great things going on. And uh, the generosity of people that have made um, our patio happen, the wall happen, all kinds of different things out there. God is just doing great, great things. And I just want to say thanks so much. Um, also been blessed with twins this week. <laughs> yeah. I should have gotten a picture of them. Uh, Josh, we should have put a picture up. But um, are they? No, I don't have a picture. But uh, Rowan and Finn came into the world this week. And I am now the grandparent of seven grandchildren. And uh, that's crazy. Pray for me. Um, if, you see me if you see me on a street corner with uh, seven grandkids on my cardboard piece, feel free to throw something out. <clears throat> but God is doing amazing things in our family as well. So excited about that. So with that said, let's, let's continue the series, Don't Be Fooled. Um, this whole series, the heartbeat behind it is to help us understand that in this season of life that we're in, in our culture, in our, in our uh, country, in our culture, in our community, there's a tendency in these kinds of times to, to, to take our eye off the, the mission and put our eye on different things that matter, that are important, but they aren't the thing that makes the difference in our world. If we want to change our world, we must lead people to Jesus Christ. We must keep the mission in mind. And, and for that reason, we cannot take our eye off of what is important to God. Not, we can't take our eyes off of what's important to uh, our faith and our mission and what we do collectively as a church as well as individually as Christians. And so I think it's really, really important. The main thought of this entire series is, is this. People need to be aware that the enemy, the devil, wants to fool us into being deceived and distracted from moving forward in our faith. And if he can do that, if he can deceive us, if he can distract us, he will ruin us. The big question is, how do we recognize the deception and distraction of the enemy? How do we keep our eyes on God's mission when the enemy is attempting to deceive and to distract us. And, and all we have to be is, and I'm this way, all we have to be is squirrel people. You know, it's like, oh, there's, there's something shiny over there. Oop, oh, you know, and we get distracted. And I don't know if you've ever kept your hand on the wheel, but then all of a sudden you're looking over here and all of a sudden you start drifting. Yeah, this morning's message is called The Drift. Because I think what happens in, in, some, in some of these times and seasons in our lives is we tend to drift and drifting is very different than those immediate Whoop. The devil doesn't do that to us. The devil doesn't just come and, and just turn us sharp left and, and turn us sharp right and get us way off track. Typically, it's that slow, gradual drift that happens. Let me ask this question. Have you, um, <clears throat> excuse me just a second. My, there we go. <clears throat> Have you ever avoided learning something about something because you don't want to know what that something is? Have, have you? I mean, when I was a teenager, I didn't like the mirror, especially during puberty. 
And I wish I could show you some pictures, but my hair, man, it was just this rat's nest. It was bad. And it wasn't until junior high where my mom said, you need a perm. <laughs> I mean, I had this, this glob in front of my head, and it, it wasn't, I mean, it, it just didn't look good. And then, of course, acne and those things that come with uh, the puberty experience. I hated the mirror. I did not ever want to look at the mirror because it was one of those things where I didn't want to see what everybody else saw, but I didn't want to see what I, I didn't want to see. And, it, you know, I was embarrassed. I was, you know, and then I got this perm. And uh, what was crazy about this perm is I got, I got, my mom put all these curlers in my hair and took pictures. And, um, yeah, they're out there somewhere. Um, <clears throat> but then I ended up with this fro, man. I had this big, huge fro. And then I never had to get a perm after that for some reason. I don't know what it did to my hair follicles, but it, it turned it into fro hair. And so... Um, by the time I was uh, graduated from high school, I had this fro that was this wide, and it bounced. <laughs> I could hide things in it. It was great. It was the perfect thing for the 70s. And then uh, I forget why I had it cut, but it, it took years for me to get it cut. And so I didn't like tests. You know how you, you, tests kind of show you where you're at? What I found out about when I took tests is that they rarely showed what I knew. It mostly showed what I didn't know. And that's what we don't like about tests because tests typically kind of, oh, I know that, but I, they, tend to, they tend to show us more about what we don't know than what we do know. By the way, we should celebrate what we do know, not so much what we don't. I mean, it's helpful to know, uh, to, to, to find out what you don't know, but um, celebrate what you do. Celebrate what you do. Uh, I know as our kids grew up, I didn't want to know what they did. I didn't, I didn't want to know everything that they were doing. There were things that I wanted to avoid knowing as a parent. I, wanted, I didn't want to, to know that because um, uh, I might have to discipline them. And if, if you're a parent like me, I'm, I'm like, oh, it's okay. Just let them be, you know. And because the punishment was usually a worse experience for me than the letting them do what they're doing. And until it got to where I, I thought they're going to hurt themselves, then I'd jump in and start getting involved. What about our marriages, our relationships? We don't really want to hear what our spouse is thinking, do we? I mean, really what they're thinking? You know, do, do you really want to hear the, the honest feelings that they're holding back all the time? Keeping peace in the family because they're not saying everything they're thinking? That's wisdom, by the way, in some cases. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to hear what's being thought about. I, I know one of the things, when I went into the corporate world, what I learned um, very quickly is that everything you do in the corporate world gets reviewed if it's a good corporation. You go through these reviews. I, I went through a district operating review. It's called a DOR, a district operating review. And we had to stand in front of the general manager and the regional manager. And, and all of our numbers were in front of them. And we had to explain those numbers, good or bad. And I didn't like district operating reviews because there were numbers I, I would ignore because I didn't want to see them until all of a sudden the DOR is coming up. And I'm like, oh, I better pay attention to that. What about sin? I'll just linger there for a minute. 
This one's a tough one because we don't really want to see inside, do we? We, we really don't want to see that sin that, that we're comfortable with. We've kind of grown used to it. Maybe it just lingers there and we don't have to deal with it because it's not causing a whole lot of damage, but um, it's there. And all of these things, if, if we don't pay attention to many of these things, the drift will occur until the damage starts to happen. And then once the damage starts to happen, and we're way off track over here in our marriage, in our schooling, in our sin life, in, the, in, in, our, in our own personal lives, all of those things, they really don't have to change until they start creating problems. And those problems, and what, this is the enemy's deception, is that it's okay. It's just a small thing. It's okay. It won't hurt anybody. It's okay. They're, they're okay. Your kids are fine. Just let them do that little destructive thing. Because if you don't let them do it, it'll really make them mad at you. But eventually that catches up and we begin to drift and they begin to drift. Whatever the cause is, it begins to create a problem as we drift. Screwtape is writing to Wormwood. If you remember in the book, as the Screwtape letters, Screwtape is the, the mentor of Wormwood. He's, they're demons, and they're talking to each other. C.S. Lewis wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters. And Screwtape is talking to Wormwood, and he's giving Wormwood this advice about his patient, who's the human being he's working on, to try and keep him from following after God. And so Screwtape writes this, he says, We know that we have introduced a change of direction in his course, which is already carrying him out of his orbit around the enemy, or God. But he must be made to imagine that all the choices which have affected this change of course are trivial and revocable. In other words, we, we're trying to convince Wormwood, uh, Screwtape is saying, to, don't try and, and make him aware of the changes. And if he does become aware of the changes that he's uh, doing in his life, then don't, don't, don't let him think they're significant. Then he says this, he must not be allowed to suspect that he is now, however slowly, heading right away from the sun on a line which will carry him into the cold and dark of utmost space. We have to be aware that the enemy would, do, would, would be so happy if we would just not pay attention to those little choices and little changes, those little white lies or those little tiny sins that are happening in our lives, and we're just letting them go and we're just relaxing with them, and pretty soon we're off track. Screwtape goes on to say, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. That's the drift. Hebrews 2.1 says this. He says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to, that which, to, that, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Let me read that one more time. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, the gospel, the truth, so that we don't drift away. Let me ask this question in your life right now. And these are hard questions. These are, these are self-evaluation questions, but they're good ones. We need these questions in our lives. Are you on track? Are you on target? Are you, is, is there a straight line between you and God? Or is there something that has caused you to drift off this path 
of relationship with him, of this path of purpose and direction and calling and, and obedience? Is there something that you've wandered off and, and you're, you're walking to the side? You've got your, your, your hand on the wheel and you, you're looking this way and pretty soon you find yourself kind of drifting away. Is that what's happening? There are three things that can cause drift in our lives. The first thing is simply this. Drift can happen when we avoid the light. We don't like what light reveals. We're more comfortable in the dark spaces because in the dark spaces we don't have to see everything. Like right now, I can't see you very well. I can't tell if you're dressed well. I can't tell if your hair's messed up. Uh, Dave Bautista, that's nothing to worry about. His, he doesn't have hair. Drift can happen when we avoid the light, when we, we, we don't like what it reveals. And so, and I'm, the, I'm like that. I don't like to live in that bright light. And all of a sudden, when you guys don't know what it's like to be on video every week. And then to go look at that video and go, oh, <clears throat> straighten up the collar, hold in the stomach. First John 1 says this in verse 6. It says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the Blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So there's, there's a contrast here, isn't there? There's the contrast of if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. It, and, and believe me, I believe that most of us in this room, if you were to talk to someone, you're likely not to lie. But if you're talking to yourself, you're very likely the person that you lie to the most. I'm okay. Everything's fine. I don't need to pay attention to that. That won't hurt me. What are we, what are we telling ourselves? Are we not letting the light shine so that we're, we don't have to pay attention to those things that, um, yeah, it, we don't want to see them. We don't want to see the blemishes. We don't want to see the faults. We don't want to see the stuff that, that's going on in our lives. But if we do what the Bible says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that is Jesus, we have fellowship with one another. In other words, when we walk in the light, it removes the barrier between you and me. It removes the, the facade now we can be real with each other. Now we can be honest with each other. Now we can be open with each other. We don't have to hide this and put on this Facebook facade thing. This thing that says, hey, life is amazing. Had twins this week. Yay. Got in a fight with my wife this week. No, we don't, we don't post that. Right? <laughs> we don't post that. We don't bring those things into the light. We bring only the positive. And not the negative. We don't want to show that. And so <clears throat> we hide. The best thing we can do to not drift is to live in the light. So the drift antidote for number one is simply this. Walk in the light. Allow ourselves to always turn the lights on. Always turn the lights on. What's the light in our lives? What's the light that's going to shine brightest in our lives? Jesus. 
Let him shine his light in our lives. He's the one that's going to shine his light and show us what we need to change, show us what we need to address, show us what we need to deal with. And he's also going to give us that picture of, hey, look at, you're in the light. Boom, you're righteous. Why? Because he's the one that makes us righteous. He's the one that helps us live this, this life that we don't deserve what he's given us, but he's given us righteousness. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. He's set us free from the bondage of sin and death. All those things is a promise that we get. And it says right there in that scripture, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So whatever we see that might be wrong, he fixes. And that's the beauty of walking in the light. The drift can happen when we avoid the truth. We, we don't want to walk in the light because of what it reveals, but the truth does the same thing. We don't like how the truth feels. I don't know about you, but there are times where I, I hear the truth of something in my life, whether it's from a friend, whether it's from my spouse, whether it's from my kids, whether it's from, you know, wherever it's coming from, if I'm just reading scripture and I'm letting scripture speak honestly to my life and I open my heart up to scripture, all of a sudden I'm going, oh, I'm off track. Oh, I don't like that. You know how we we say that, that saying, the truth hurts? It does. It does. I don't like the truth very often. I, sometimes I'm just like, oh, I didn't want to hear that. Because it means I have to do something about it. It means I have to, to, to adapt or change or adjust. It means I have to get rid of or throw out or confess and repent. All of those things come along with that, that, that idea. I like what First um, uh, John says again. It says, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we claim to be without sin, we are deceived. Because all of us have sinned. Here's the truth and it's going to hurt. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. That's what I love about being a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Right? Because we are all in this boat together doing everything we can to uh, let God do his work in us and forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that if we, <clears throat> if we confess our sins, so the, the antidote is confession. The antidote is letting it out, con- confessing our sins, telling God, here's my sin. And I encourage you to be specific. Don't, don't, don't do this prayer. God, please forgive me of my sins. And he's like, uh, come on. Come on. I've revealed more than that. God, uh, forgive me um, for, you know, listening to gossip today. N- no, no. Come on, come on. Forgive me for gossiping. Oh, there you go. All right. We got it. God wants us to own our stuff. And when we do and we confess it, the Bible says very clearly he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from some of the unrighteousness. Right? 
No. All. All. Say it with me. All. Because when it gets to all, that means everything's gone. <laughs> and we are made pure and holy. And all the barriers between us and God, us and each other are gone. Why? Because there's no sin in between, which is the separator, the great divider. And so we have to be willing to confess and to say, I'm a sinner. I like, uh, here's another quote from Screwtape. It says, as long as he retains externally the habits of a Christian, in other words, as long as he lives outside like a Christian, he can still be made to think of himself as one who has adopted a few new friends and amusements, but whose spiritual state is much the same as it was six weeks ago. So we can be deceived into believing, hey, I go to church, I do all these things, but I have nothing. We don't pay attention to what's inside. We just pay attention to what's going on outside. And while he thinks that we do not have to contend with the explicit repentance of a definite, fully recognized sin, but only with his vague, though uneasy feeling that he hasn't been doing very well lately. So if we can just get ourselves, it, the enemy would love for us to say, um, you know, I have an issue, but I'm, it's not worth dealing with. It's not worth bringing up. God, I really don't want to waste your time with my little sin. And God's going, please, lay it all before me. Because my job is to do all, take away all the unrighteousness. Confess it. Let it go. Give it up. And when we do, we will experience the forgiveness, the righteousness, the holiness, the peace that comes with knowing that our hearts are right, not wrong. Right? Yeah. Powerful. So the second antidote to drift is confession of sins. If we just confess to our sins, the Bible also says that James, confess our sins to one another. I have buddies in, in my life that uh, I went to college with that I, I do that with. When I make mistakes, when I'm struggling, when I'm going through difficult times, when I'm confronted by God with my sin, then I also make sure that someone else knows about it so that I can be accountable for it. And then the last thing that causes drift is drift can happen when we avoid the mirror. We don't like what we see or we're afraid of what we might see. James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's a little comic right there. That's a little comedic. Anyone, you look in the mirror and then you walk away and you go, hmm, I don't even know what I look like. You forget you forgot what you saw in the mirror. What that really means is that you went by the mirror and you glanced. Kind of, what's up? You know? And you just kind of said, you, you, you looked, but you didn't take a good look. I like what this one author said. He said, too many people mark their Bibles, but their Bible never marks them. Whew. I had to pray through that one as I was studying. There's a lot of little marks and highlights in my, in my Bible. Now it's my electronic Bible, but do I let it mark me? The purpose of a mirror is to examine, is to self-examine, right? Unless you're trying to catch someone in the corner, you know, without 
them knowing you're looking, but you're looking at them and you're looking at the mirror. Now, the purpose of a mirror is to look. I like what another author said. The difference is the difference between a picture and an x-ray. A picture is just a, a, a moment, but an x-ray is an in-depth look. In-depth look. Are we forgetting what we look like when we go through that? Are we, are we doing this? Uh, I, gotta, I got five scriptures I got to read. Okay, good. All right. Look in that scriptural mirror. There's all kinds of good stuff in there, but we just glanced at it. And we walk away and we forget what we just read. I'm guilty of that. That's, that's what this is meaning. That's what this is talking about. Is we, we take a glance and we let scripture kind of... To, uh, reveal something but we don't really let it soak in and so the result is we walk away and we forget we need to let scripture really get inside listen to verse 5 it says but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and it and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard but doing it they will be blessed in what they do And so the whole point of going to the Word of God, the whole point of going to this Bible mirror is to let it soak in so that it changes everything and delivers a blessing instead of a curse. There's no value to doing what we're doing if it's a religious activity that we're just going, I got to get through five verses. Okay, good. Check. No, if we look at those five verses and we go, okay, God, speak to me. Speak to me. I, one of the things I do before I pray or before I read the Bible is simply pray and ask God, Lord, open my heart. Help me understand what you're, trying to, what you're going to communicate to me. Help me know and understand your word, not just, not just think about it or not just give it a glance, but help me soak it in. Let it change my life. Let it change my heart. And when we do that, we're confronted with the truth, but the truth changes us and leads us to a blessing if we're not doing God's word we're just hearing it it doesn't make any difference if we're just glancing and going past the mirror and going oh yeah that's that's me okay we need to let it change us we need to let it shape us so the the whole point of this message is simply this let's not allow ourselves to drift let's not allow ourselves to to walk off the 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 map and the path that God has set for us. Too often in this setting that we're in right now, in this culture, and it's just a crazy culture of COVID and politics and legal issues and all kinds of crazy things. And our opinions are our opinions, and you're welcome to those, but we have to keep our eyes focused on what God wants from us and what God wants us to do. And there's nothing better that the enemy would love than for all of us to get distracted by all of these things, which are not bad things. There's nothing wrong with your thoughts or opinions about them. But what we, they're bad if, if they take us off the, off the path. And take us off the path of the mission that God has for us, which is to reach this community for Christ. And to do everything we can to use our skills, our talents, our abilities, our resources to glorify Him. And when we do that, we're on track and we're not drifting. We're on track and we're not drifting. Do we live in the light? 
Do we allow the light to shine wherever it wants to show us our lives and our activities and our actions and our heart and our attitudes and our opinions and all those things? And are they in alignment with God? Do we confess our sins? Are we willing to let the Holy Spirit convict us of what's right and what's wrong in our lives? And what's wrong, we just simply confess. And the Bible tells us that He is willing to forgive us of all of our sins. What an amazing promise. What an amazing promise. If you came with guilt or shame or, or any of that today, the Bible simply says that all you have to do is confess it. And say, God, please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of of, of my gossip. Please forgive me of my lust. Whatever it is, forgive me, God. And God says, it's gone. Ha! I love that. And all we have to do is do what the Bible says. Let the truth speak into our lives. Let the truth hurt. It's going to hurt. But once we do what the truth says and once we do what the Bible is encouraging us to do, you can't go wrong and there's blessing on the other side of that. And when we're obedient, God says, I will bless, I will bless. They will be blessed in what they do, the Bible says in James. Live in the light, confess sins, do what the Bible says. It's as simple as that. Are you drifting? Are you on the path or are you kind of looking at the squirrel over here going, whoa? Pretty soon you're up against those bumpers on the road and you're hearing that. Where are you at today? My prayer as we walked in this room today is, God, just open our hearts and help us to be real, not to be distracted by the enemy. Lord, we don't want to be on that slow, gradual drift. We want to be on that straight and narrow path. For those of us, God, that have wandered, I pray that you help us to get right back on that path. For those that are on that path, help us to stay on it. Lord, help us to live in the light. Help us to to welcome the truth. Help us to look in the mirror. Not just a casual glance, but a hard, strong look. And let's be willing to take what we see and allow your Holy Spirit to change it if it needs changing. To maintain it if it needs maintaining. And to get stronger and stronger every day. God, I pray right now for every heart in this room. That you would begin to help us, Lord, see while we stand in the light. See while we look in the mirror. See while we stand before the truth and let the truth confront anything that's untrue in our lives. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just work powerfully today, God, to help us stand true to you, to not drift from a beautiful and a meaningful and blessed relationship that we have with you. Lord, I pray for those that are feeling guilty right now or feeling shame in their lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray as they confess their sins, may that guilt and that shame be gone. And may the plan for a new direction take place and begin to anchor into their lives a path straight towards you. Forgive us, God, for drifting. Forgive us for avoiding the light. Forgive us for glancing in the mirror and not looking intently. Forgive us for avoiding truth. And help us walk with you every step of the way. I thank you that you are a leader. We don't have to lead ourselves. And that we can walk in the steps that you prepare for us. And I pray for every heart right now, Lord, that you help us to get right back on the path 
if, if we're not on it already. And I thank you for that. Maybe you're here today and you, you've drifted away. Maybe you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, today is that opportunity. Whether you're online or on site, you can right now just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you were raised from the dead and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. And the Bible tells us if you make those confessions that you will be saved. Saved simply means that we have a right relationship between us and God and we have the promise of eternal life. And if you're here today and you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to encourage you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes, that I've done things that are not uh, pleasing to you. And I pray that you forgive me of those things. And I accept your forgiveness right now. Thank you for loving me so much that you died on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and that you promised me eternal life. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Venture.